to the E3 podcast where we encourage, educate, and empower female entrepreneurs. I'm Melissa Johnson, and I have a mission to help female business owners um, transform their lives and their business. On this show, I'll be interviewing female entrepreneurs that are moms, that are business owners, and we're taking a deep dive into the struggles that they're having in their business and coming up with some great solutions on how they can transform their business and their life. So thank you so much for joining the show today. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and we're going to jump right in. Welcome everybody to the E3 podcast. I have Ashley Wilson on today. I'm very excited. She is a new best-selling author of The Only Woman in the Room, Knowledge and Inspiration from 20 Women Real Estate Investors. And I have my copy here <laughs> that I'm excited to dig into. So welcome, Ashley. And thanks for, for coming on the show and just sharing a little bit about you and your journey in this book. I want to really dig into that. So you want to just share for a minute kind of who you are and what you're doing and. Yeah. So first of all, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so a brief little, um, description of who I am and my background. I got into real estate investing about 10 years ago. Um, we, my husband and I decided to make the transition into real estate, uh, because we were looking for somewhere to diversify our retirement strategy. I think most people get into it for one of three reasons, retirement strategy, tax savings, or because HGTV has done a great job convincing them to get into real estate and it looks fun. So we uh, were not huge fans of the stock market and we wanted to consider alternative investments and it kept circling back to real estate. So we purchased our first uh, investment property, which we house hacked and did an Airbnb part of the year of that property since we only lived at that property uh, for nine months out of the year. And that quickly turned into a few years later, we um, purchased another property that we did long-term rentals at. And then we eventually, uh, my father and I actually started a business partnering, uh, flipping business, primarily high-end homes in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And about three years ago, two and a half years ago or so, we transitioned into a large multifamily. So we have a few different businesses now. And we, when we first started, we actually both had careers outside of real estate. And um, I think it was in 2014, Yeah. 2014 is when I transitioned to real estate full-time. And then my husband retired from his career about three years ago and he transitioned into real estate full-time. So now we're both, you know, knee deep in real estate. (laughs) So how, how's that been for you guys just working together as spouses? Do you have defined roles of who's doing what, or what does that look like for you? It's funny because people think that we're a lot alike, but when it comes to business, we are so different and it comes to our natural disposition. We're very different. He is more of an introvert um, and he is a very analytical guy. He actually 
got his degree in physics and was supposed to go into engineering um, and ultimately got sidetracked um, and, you know, did a career as a professional athlete. And then when he retired from that, he was a natural fit for underwriting and analysis of deals because he's really good with numbers and spreadsheets and he's introvert. So he's not going to be someone who seeks, you know, doing podcasts, for example, I think I've gotten him on maybe three podcasts in I don't know how many years. And it was like pulling teeth to get him on the podcast, um, where I am definitely an extrovert. I am networking with people. I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy meeting with brokers and finding deals and networking with vendors and, you know, all different types of people. I really thrive off of that. Um, and I'm more operationally mindset and systems and automation. So we have totally different ways in which we work. Um, obviously one thing that's really enjoyable is over your lifetime, you spend more time with the people at work than you do with your family. So we actually remove that whole barrier by working together. I know it's not for everyone, but if you have clear defined roles and you respect each other's genius and allow them to really excel where they, uh, fit best and you don't try to put, you know, a, whatever it's called, there's like some saying like, or a circle peg in a square hole. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> I might um, have that backwards, but <laughs> no, I always mess up saying, so I'm like, uh. but, um, exactly. If you allow your, your spouse to thrive and they respect you and allow you to thrive, it's amazing what you can accomplish because the motivation behind the two of you is already in sync. It's already in parallel. You trust the other person. You're motivated probably by the same reasons. Um, so you skip that whole step and you move right to, you know, working together and, um, creating, you know, some really cool opportunities. Yeah. And I like what you said, which is so true. And I, and I tell people this too, about working with spouses, cause I did it for a long time. Also it didn't end so well for me, but <laughs> But you, or you're saying all the right things and, and it all is very true. And the big one that, that, you know, you said is just having those clear defined roles. I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. You know, they start having issues when they, our spouse is working together because you figure, well, it's our business, you know, and we'll just pick up the slack wherever, you know, and not really be clear about who's supposed to do what and treating it like a business because you are spouses, you know. I think we give a little bit more leeway maybe. So it's good to stay on track with, you know, who's doing what, who's good at what, who's not good at whatever. That way you can work together in a way that complements each other. Right. Absolutely. And I think too, it's important to, uh, hold each other accountable because, um, you know, I can say for sure that, um, my, husband is someone who is definitely someone who's a work smarter, not harder type of person. So he really wants, um, everything to kind of flow through, um, 
like a very clear defined channel. So let's say for example, we're deal sourcing and it, it doesn't meet the mold, then he wants exit at stage, right. Right. But I'm more of a person who's like, well, there might still be opportunity in this. So I want to look at this just a little bit further and he doesn't want to do that. So, um, you know, there are definitely difficult conversations that you have to have where you have to say, okay, you know, um, if, or just think through your head, if, if I wasn't married to the person that I'm asking to analyze the deal, would they still analyze the deal? And if the answer is yes, if it's only just a small deviant from what your, your criteria is, then, you know, he has to suck it up and do it. But if it's, <laughs> but if it's something that's, you know, outside of our wheelhouse, like all of a sudden I'm looking at RV parks and we've never looked at RV parks and we have no interest in looking at RV parks, then he is correct. And I have to get on board and stay focused. So there's definitely a yin and a yang to our working relationship. And, um, there has to be an ability to turn it on and turn it off. He's, he is really, really good about making sure that we still do date night every week and do other things outside of just the business where I probably could work on the business. I mean, I'm the person who stays up until 2 a.m. and then gets up at 6 a.m. every single day and just work. I'm a workhorse. I love it. I thrive off of it. I don't know why I, I like that punishment of just always being busy, but I just really like, I thrive off of being busy and he does not, he is the opposite. He's better when he has, you know, time blocking. So ultimately you have to respect what each other kind of, um, thrives off of and have the balance to know when to turn it off and what each other needs. Yeah. That's good to, to think about. That was actually going to be my next question. How do you, you know, what do you do to turn that off to kind of, you know, Cause it is hard when you work together. It is hard to not let the work conversations bleed into the personal life. A lot of times, you know, cause you just think, well, I'll just bring this up real quick, you know, kind of stuff. And then before you know it, you're in a full blown, like meeting, you know, after dinner, or something. Yeah. <laughs> how did our, our romantic dinner date turn into a business meeting, you know? So yeah. it's good that you, you guys can, you know, cut that off and be able to say, okay, this is our family time. This is, you know, we're not going to talk about work. So is that hard for you? Like, do you, it's definitely harder for me than it is for him. He was in a career too. When you look back at like what he went through professionally versus what I went through professionally and how it conditioned us. So his career, I mean, first of all, he achieved the pinnacle of what he you know, had as a dream as a child to achieve, to be a professional athlete. And that in it of itself, you know, he had all this motivation to get to this goal and he achieved that goal. He played in the NHL and, you know, that was his big dream. Whereas I have dreams that I haven't achieved. Like there's, there hasn't been that pinnacle moment for me that like then kind of takes the wind out of my sails a little bit, you know? So he's already, you know, done extremely well in a career achieved the the highest, you know, level you can achieve within that career. So he doesn't look at this career the same way, you know, this business, the same way I do for starters, that's to start with. And then playing off of that, um, you know, we just have, um, different mindsets where he is very focused on 
um, having that work-life balance and, you know, really trying to, um, you know, use this to continue to build wealth, but not necessarily like it's, you know, um, taking over our lives. And I'm of the mindset where, you know, like I've just wrote a book and I'm starting other companies and, you know, I'm buying apartment buildings and I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's definitely like pushing and moving. (laughs) And uh, sometimes I'm dragging him with me. (laughs) Other times he's walking with me, but sometimes I know I'm definitely dragging him along. (laughs) <laughs> or he's just standing there watching you. Yeah, he he you go, girl. <laughs> he's always been a huge proponent of me being the spotlight. Like it would have been very easy for us to transition and people to just I mean people naturally gravitate gravitate towards celebrity type status people mm-hmm. and they they for some reason find people to be celebrities if they're professional athletes or they're singers or actors, right? It's just natural and politicians, like those are natural celebrities. So it would have been very easy for us to transition and really leverage that storyline to, you know, build credibility and interest and investors and all that kind of, you know, memorability of, of positioning. But he was a huge proponent and has always been my biggest cheerleader for, um, you know, he, he always says like, I'm smarter than him, which I completely disagree with. And he's just a huge champion for me. So I think that's, that's something that if you're going to work with your spouse, um, it's almost like a competition of who's cheerleading, who more, you know, you want to be realistic about it, but at the same time, like if you're tearing each other down, then how can you grow up? You know, you can't build up if you're being torn down. Exactly. And I love, I like that, you know, who's cheerleading more for the other instead of competing, you know, that, that was a situation I felt like I found myself in. It's just a competitive sort of situation for a while and that's not healthy either. So I love that you guys are like, and I think it's so cool too. Like what, that he did let you take the lead and all that stuff. A lot of that takes quite a man, I think, to, to put that ego aside. And I'm not saying he's egotistical or anything, but just to say, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to do that. This is her thing. And I'm just going to support her in this and let you kind of take the reins on everything and, and be the face and really own what you're doing. Whenever special. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And I didn't realize how special it was until, you know, we go to these conferences, even recently we went to a conference in Seattle and it was just the speakers that were there. It was, um, the PNW Wealth Expo put on by uh, Tarl Yerber and uh, um, Fixated Real Estate. And, um, you know, I was a speaker there and he he could 100% be a speaker. I mean, he's brilliant. He has a lot of knowledge on so many more topics than I do and speaks at a granular level because he can just memorize data. So he's really, really cool um, in the ability to articulate um, and synthesize information very well. So, um, you know, he could have been up on, you know, speaking and he wasn't. And, you know, I, I don't know how many people, but, um, a lot of men that were there, some women, but a lot of men came up to me and they were just blown away at how supportive he was of me. And out of like unsolicited, they came up and said, your husband, like Kyle is just incredible. Like we can't get over how, um, supportive he is of you and how he really like 
propels you forward. And, and, you know, um, he's, they're all saying like, it's not like, you know, he's doing it in a belittle, belittling way. And it's not like you need that, but he's just, he really is like your, you know, your cheerleader, like he's championing for you. And, you know, that, that's, that's what's next level about our business relationship. And you can find that too, not just with your spouse. Like if your spouse is not interested in real estate and you're really interested in real estate, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that this situation is off the table entirely. I mean, you can have another, um, another relationship. Like for example, um, you know, I, work very closely with the investor community. I'm a partner with Liz and Andressa, and I could not be more supportive of them. I'm not married to either one of them, but Mm -hmm. I will talk them up and cheerlead for them and be so, so unbelievably happy for their successes. Their successes to me are greater than my own successes. I mean, I just feel so much excitement for them and you can still have that relationship with people, even if they aren't your spouse. So, um, you know, seeking to find those partnerships, um, is definitely can be extremely beneficial, um, to the overall success of the business. I agree. So back to these events, let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about being the only woman in the room, because I think that's something that a lot of us have run into. I, I can't tell you how many events I've been to, where I'm just looking around the room and it's like, there are no women in here. Or if there are there, I mean, they're very few, very few. And trying to, um, it's, it's been so different, right? So I've been doing this for 17 years. And when I got started, there were, there wasn't, I mean, all the gurus were all men, you know, they all had the, you know, the Carlton sheets and Ron Legrand and, you know, all these people with all their stuff and, you rarely saw any women out there doing anything. There were no female role models in this industry that were really out there doing stuff. And so it's been interesting to see over time, more women getting out there, but even now still with more women out there, still going to these events and still hardly being any women in the room. And I think even more importantly, women on the stage. You know, I went to an event um, it's a couple of years ago now. It's a, it's a big event and, and the event was great, but I remember afterwards sitting outside with a group of people and one of the guys that was running, it came up and he's like, well, what did you think about the event? You know, how, how did it go? Did you, did you enjoy it? And I said, you know, I did, but I said, I find it very interesting that there were hardly, there were no women on that stage. The only women on that stage were there with a spouse. And I know there's women out there doing this on their own, you know, why, where are they at? (laughs) You know, why aren't we bringing more attention to some of these women that are doing like amazing, awesome things. And nobody's, nobody's talking about, nobody's asking them to share the stage. So for you, have you, I'm sure you've seen, but do you want to talk a little bit about what that's been like for you kind of being out there and your experience with all that? Absolutely. So I grew up with a general contractor as a father. So my dad, who I partner with on my house flipping, uh, on our house flipping business, um, I grew up, um, you know, as soon as I could get my license, my dad was having me run to Home Depot and Lowe's. And I specifically remember at a very young age, like 
just sexist comments whenever, you know, I was picking up things for my dad. And I, I think I just put up a wall and I didn't want to really like absorb the impact that that had. I didn't really, I mean, I obviously knew that the, the industry was dominated by men, but I really didn't, I don't know. I just, I just really didn't let that sink in with me. I just kind of accepted it as fact. Fast forward. And the irony of the entire situation is that my parents were both, uh, full-time hardworking, uh, middle-class parents that the last thing they wanted us to do was being like construction and, you know, they worked hard so we wouldn't follow in their footsteps kind of thing. And we've done exactly that. We've followed it. And my mom was a manager for a company and my dad obviously had his own general contracting business. And it's crazy to me that I married the two principals and I'm literally that exact role. Um, you know, I run construction and asset management on large multifamily properties. It's literally my parents combined. Um, so, um, you know, but they did provide all those opportunities for me to get there, even though I was blocking out the fact that I had no women role models specifically in that space. So growing up, um, you know, crazy enough, I went to a, a high school that was all men. It was all boys. And it went co-ed my sophomore year. So once again, you know, I kind of blocked that out. And, you know, I realized, you know, it was like three to one boys to girls at the time, but, you know, it really just, I don't know. It just helped me grow tough skin in college. I, um, I lived with, uh, 14 other guys. I was the only girl living in this house with 14 other guys. And once again, like it didn't bother me. I just kind of like rolled with the punches and, you know, I'm like I said, I'm extrovert and it didn't phase me. I just kind of went with it and I actually enjoyed the situation. Um, but the, the, the time where it hit me, like I specifically remember was at Dave Van Horn's mid Atlantic summit two years ago. I think the event was in March or April and in 2018, and I was sitting there and Liz and Andressa, the co-founders of the real estate investor community, they had invited all the women who attended that conference to sit together at, um, a table for lunch one day. And we were sitting there and I didn't know. I mean, I think I knew like three, three or four women at that table. I didn't know anyone because this is another thing that women tend to do is when we are the few, we don't even we don't even get together and talk to each other. We're, we're so like overwhelmed at all these men over talking us and asking questions and men on the stage. And, you know, we really just sit there and try to absorb as much information as possible, but we aren't networking. We're, and we're, we feel like we're incompetent. We feel like we haven't achieved enough to warrant, you know, having these conversations and a little intimidated by, you know, being so few in the room, but I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, you know, while everyone was getting to know each other, I'm looking around the room and I'm like, how in a room of 450 people, are there only 16, 16 people at this table, 16 women at this table and two tables could see all of us. I mean, that to me was, that is the only time in my entire life. And I've been at, I mean, I have pictures documenting of different events I've gone to, and I'm literally the only woman there, mm -hmm. but that is the only time it really hit me in the face. And at that moment, I said to myself, 
I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called the only woman in the room. I didn't know at the time that I was going to get all of the co-authors. I didn't understand why that idea had just like come and hit me when, you know, for my entire life, it never really bothered me that I was the only woman. But at that moment I was like, this, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely absurd. This, we have like this, this is enough. Like we need women on stage talking and I'm like, not to get like really, um, uh, offensive about this, but I'm so offended when there's women at an event talking about what it's like to be a woman in real estate as a panel topic, like use that woman to present on the expertise that she is a specialist in. We don't have a, a panel on what is it like to be a male in real estate and dominate the whole industry because no one wants to hear it. And frankly, no one wants to hear what, you know, all these women, just four women, that's the only opportunity they want to hear. They're going to these conferences to learn about construction, to learn about multifamily, to learn about single family. And all of these women have that knowledge Mm -hmm. and you're not using them to the best of their ability. You're not giving them the same opportunities by just putting them on a stage to say, what is it like to be a woman in real estate? It's, I I don't know. It's, it's a, um, it's definitely a sore spot for me. I'm kind of sick of seeing it at conferences. And frankly, I think it's a waste of time because women can offer so much more information. I know these women can. So with this book, one thing I was really passionate about was, okay, I'm going to, look around and see women who are inspiring me. It doesn't matter if they're seven figure earners or just started. They all, all of the women inspire me in some sort of capacity and they all should be elevated to be role models for other people because they are doing incredible things. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the motivations of the book to really elevate women. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for all of these men who are running these conferences to realize the value that these women have. I'm going to give them a platform so that they can showcase their own talent and their expertise. And that was a huge motivator for me. And then also too, I have two daughters and at some point they're going to think their mom is not cool. And they're going to want to look to, to other women and you know, I don't want them to think at any single time in their life that they can't do something because it's limited by gender and having all of these other women role models gives them opportunities for them to seek other, other role models within the space. Um, and last but not least, you know, we all have a social responsibility to elevate women. Uh, women outlive men six to eight years over that period of time. It costs anywhere from 280 to $380,000 to cover just general living expenses, cost of living in your latter stages of life. And that burden does not discriminate against men or women on who that falls onto. Mm -hmm. It's equally shared by members of family. So we, we have a social responsibility, male or female to really, uh, bring women to the table to educate them on investing and finance and the power of real estate. Sorry, that is such a long-winded answer no, to that's your question, great, but I'm very no, passionate clearly about this. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's, it's definitely like something that's worth saying and worth hearing for people. And 
that was something, you know, I ran into this it, and it's been a few years, but I was talking to a friend of mine. She's in real estate. She's very successful, um, has the large following and stuff. And we were talking and she was telling me about, you know, putting together like a women's group. And this is like an early on kind of thing. I know there's more of them out there now, but at the time there wasn't that many. And we were, we were talking about this and, and she's like, you know, the problem I have is just finding enough women who want, who will like step up and who can actually like share, have things to share and everything. And I understood that, but I was also thinking to myself, well, then if there aren't enough women up here on the stage, it's our job to get them there. Then, you know, it's our job as females, as experienced investors in the space, as leaders and influencers, it's our job to lift these other women up so that they can get to that level and they can be on that stage sharing what they know instead of just saying, well, there's just not enough people out there that can do this. Like, no, there are enough people and there are people that want to, but it, it's really up to us to be a leader and to really pave the way for that. And I think that that's something that, um, that I feel your book is really going to help do just shine the light on some of these people. Like you said, they're role models. You know, I've got four daughters, so <laughs> that's a big part of my why for this too. You know, I don't want them to not have somebody to look up to and to your point of not being cool anymore, you know, like I get that. I get that a hundred percent. And if you can show your daughters, you know, if we can show them like, Hey, here's all these other amazing women and look what they're doing and they're not letting anything hold them back. And I've never wanted, um, being a woman to be an excuse or like a, um, what do I usually tell, you know, it's just like, not, um, I don't want to play the woman card. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. How do you feel about, about that kind of thing? You know, I mean, I know that there's women that do want to play that card, but what are your thoughts on that? So, um, <laughs> this is a great question. Um, first, before I answer that, I just want to say, I think talking about what you were just talking about, I think that it's kind of a cop out to say that there aren't enough women uh, to, to talk. There are, there are more than enough women. Um, and just like when someone says to me, there are no deals on the MLS, I'm still buying deals off the MLS all day long. I just know how to look for them a different way than you're looking for them kind of thing. And that's the same thing. When I say about women in, in real estate, I think there's a natural, um, a natural thing that's happening where women don't want to come across as being boastful and, um, you know, they're not championing for themselves and they're not putting themselves out there. And there are certain women who are clearly, I'm someone who's more outgoing and putting myself out there. And I'm, you know, I'm sure I have critics who think that I'm, you know, full of myself and I'm, and doing all these things and that's fine, but they don't know why I'm really doing it. And I'm really doing it to pave the path for all the women behind me who have any doubt at all, whether or not they should be talking and um, telling their story because every story is valid. So to your point on playing the woman card, um, I only really utilize that when I feel like it really works to my advantage and to make someone feel kind of like, like, really hear themselves and what they're actually saying, you know, like, so when a contractor kind of mansplains something to me, if I'm speaking with a male contractor and, 
you know, he mansplains it to me. I like for, I'll give a, a, a real case. I got an estimate one time and the estimate was horrific. And I was challenging this, um, challenging this, uh, you know, this contractor on the estimate and they were mansplaining to me about plumbing. And I said to them, Oh, okay. So like, I'm assuming you have like a price per hour. And he's like, yes, I have a price per hour and this is my price per hour. And I was like, okay, so just, just out of curiosity, like how long do you think this job will take? Will it take me, take you like a week? And like, how many men will be here? I'm just trying to figure out like how many people you're going to have here and how long the job is going to take. And he goes through this whole thing. And I like lead him down this path and I'm like, okay, well, realistically, if you're charging this per hour and you have this many people here and they're working this many hours, then you, you should really be charging me half of what this estimate is. So like, you know, so that is maybe that's not really like the nicest thing to do, but I also wasn't being treated respectfully either. So, um, you know, and I don't do that all the time. Like I'm not trying to come across and be difficult, but at the same time, when you're working with someone and they really need to hear how they're talking to you and, you know, kind of walk them down the path that I'm not an idiot, I'm intelligent and I am intelligent enough to know that you're trying to rip me off. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's the only time I really like kind of play that up a little bit. I'm saying all the wrong things in this, in this podcast. No, I think they're all the right thing. I mean, you're being honest, you know, and I think, yeah. I, I think you're just saying the things that we all think, honestly, you know, I mean, you do get tired of men just being, you know, treating you differently. You know, I, I remember calls early on when they would come in or, you know, cause I did all the dispo on all of our properties and I remember men, you know, calling about house for sale, you know, whatever. Cause we were doing FISBO at the time. Cause I'm a lunatic, I guess. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm taking all these phone calls and, you know, inevitably, you know, it's, you know, I'm giving them the information. It's like, especially wholesaling, you know, and then it's like, can I speak to your dad? Yeah. What? Like my dad doesn't even do real estate. Like what does my dad <laughs> have to do with anything? I don't know if it was the sound of my voice or what. And then it became, you know, was well, your husband available? you know, well, let me talk to your husband. You know, it's like, no, you don't need to talk to my husband. You talk to me. I'm the one that's dealing with this, but it was, it's, it, it was just like this frustration that that would even be a thing. You know, it's like, clearly I'm the one answering the phone. So I should be able to answer all your questions and you don't need to, you know, go to another man to get these questions answered. I've got everything right here. <laughs> it's funny because, um, I tell this story all the time, Matt Faircloth, um, was doing a deal in Kentucky and I came down and helped him, uh, with the due diligence and consulted with him on, on a couple, a few of his properties. And, uh, we got down there and we met with a general contractor. He in introduced me as leading the construction management on this. And, um, the guy continued to ignore me and keep talking to Matt throughout the whole, like while we we're walking through and, you know, this is par for the course for me. So I, I just, it doesn't offend me. I, I don't even care anymore at this point. Right. And, um, Matt stopped him dead sentence and said, I don't know why you keep talking to me. I've already introduced her as the 
head of construction management. And I don't know anything about construction. So you're wasting your time explaining this to me. You really need to start talking to Ashley. And it was just like, yes, like, thank you. Like those are the type of people, like, you know, my gender, like for some reason, it doesn't have a filter that construction knowledge doesn't go through my brain. Like I can actually process construction knowledge. It's, it's crazy. It's not related to my gender, but you know, it's, I think still surprising to people, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So surrounding yourself with people who also support like the overall initiative. I mean, it's no surprise that the co-founders of the real estate investors, husband, is a supporter of women and would stand up and do something like that, you know? So, um, it really, it really helps when everyone starts to become part of the solution because it makes, it makes things change much more rapidly. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, it's good to have those champions, but I think it's also important for us to stand up for ourselves too. Yeah. And to speak, I mean, we have a voice, there's no reason why we can't use it. And so, you know, the more we do that, the more we get comfortable doing that, I think the easier it will be for people that come after us to be able to do that too. You know, just it's out there now. Completely agree. Awesome. Well, this has been so good. I so appreciate all your, your insights and time and knowledge shared with us. And I just want to share again, the book, the only woman in the room. Thank you so much. Awesome book. That's on Amazon, right? That's where I got mine. Yes. Yep. (laughs) So go get a copy of that. And is there anywhere else that people you want to direct them to if they want to get in touch with you? Yes. You can go to badashinvestor.com. So it's B-A-D-A-S-H investor.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at badashinvestor. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter's name is Ashley. I I call her that sometimes. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again. And, um, looking forward to what comes next with you. Thank you so much. Cool book or something, huh? (laughs) I hope so. I have one that I've already started, so we'll see. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it.